I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What is up? Good evening, everybody. It is Bark After Dark. Uh, Disclaimer, as we've decided to do at every show, it's a deeply unserious show. Georgia sports, Georgia athletics may or may not be uh, covered or or sports in general. Um, But tonight, I'm I'm sure it will because we've got special guest Josh Pate from 24-7 Sports, uh, one of the best dudes I know, and really excited to have him on. Uh, But we're Barking After Dark, Roos, and... let me get my prop here real quick. We might actually have like some real barking from a real animal at some point in here. Oh got, man. You know, we got the new the new member to the row household up in this thing. Um Bentley. I got, I, I got voted out, by the way. I wanted to name him Bronco, and his name was Bronco for about an hour until they changed it to Bentley. So uh I'm sorry, what? Benton? Bentley. Bentley. Like, like the car. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you stayed at least within the automotive theme, so that's pretty strong. I only have I only have a couple of Bentleys in the driveway, though. So sure, no question. Um, I've seen that. I've seen that driveway. Yeah. So you know, this is how it goes. Um, but how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Um, you know, kind of same old. This is a quiet time. Uh, just wrapped up a big visit weekend for Georgia, and so uh, you know, this next month should be a little bit more calm. Um, I know we got uh the Under Armour camp series in atlanta coming up so have a bunch of good stuff from that but man we're kind of just cruising right now february is a good month i think uh, yeah short and easy and just kind of uh you know a kind of a, a a little bit of a break and i think that's true for not only us but everybody in the college football world a little bit this is our last show for the month of february because we're taking the rest of the month off we wanted to do this one because this is our one year anniversary show we've been at it for a year at bark after dark i have a great guest to kind of celebrate that um also, dry January is over, so it's a bad day to be a Zima around you. Uh, it, you know, I have not broken it yet. I, oh, so, oh. I'm, I'm still rolling, man. Yeah, uh, you haven't got close uh, enough to a Mike's Hard Lemonade yet. Those those athletic, uh, the non-alcoholic athletics, man, those things are carrying me. They're crazy. so good. They're oh, delicious. they are. They really are. I'm, and I'm shocked by how much I like them. I thought that it would kind of be like, eh. Now, I tried Budweiser Zero. That is ass. It is. <laughs> it is the worst. Uh, just, it's like water. Someone whispered the word beer over top of, so, uh, do not, do not recommend at all. All right. Without further ado, let's get Josh paid on here and let's, um, add some credibility to the show. What's up, dude? How are you doing? I've got whatever this is in an unmarked bottle. So all guesses are welcome. No review. Horse, horse liniment. Hunch Punch, uh, starting the day with Hunch Punch at the well, let me say, <laughs> This started the day as just a brand water, but it's not Callaway Blue, so I'm not going to promote it on the show. So I peeled the label <laughs> off and put a couple of squirts of Mio in there. So it's it's caffeinated water. It's, it's really great this time of evening. 
as you see, clearly the sun's setting behind me. Yeah. Hey, sometimes we got to make do. We got to do what we can do on Bark After Dark. But Josh, really glad to have you, man. Uh, obviously, miss working with you. Is a, that was a lot of fun, and but we still talk pretty regularly. And then I just want to know, at this point in life, um, how unbelievable is it? You know, while we pinch ourselves sometimes, how unbelievable is it to do this? You know, to the degree you're doing it, and to watch late kick take off the way it has. Um, probably above and beyond best case scenario. If you would have asked me, you and me grew up in rural Georgia, right? And so for you, if anyone told you at any point in your childhood, someone's going to pay you real money to do nothing but cover Georgia athletics and specifically Georgia football, you would have said, well, I've always been raised to know when something's too good to be true. This has to be too good to be true. And then me times 10, because they would have told me, you're going to talk about like the whole thing, just national college football. And you get to pick where you go every week. And this major company is going to put wind in your sails in terms of resources. And you're just going to get yeses to everything. Yeah, I would have thought that as well. And so it's I think I think, Jake, what it did, though, is back in the mid 20 teens, you know, when we started getting platforms like this uh, or, or Facebook Live or YouTube Live, or whatever you stream on. When that started to become a reality, that's kind of when I started to realize, ooh, that could be a game changer. Like, I don't have to be pumped out of Syracuse or, or Northwestern J school all of a sudden. I don't have to have had an uncle or a dad to grow up in the industry to hand me a position. This could actually happen. It's going to be different. I'm going to have to go the, the, the unpaved digital media route, but it could be something. And now, man, less than a decade later, whole system is inverted to where no one's rushing to get spots on television anymore. This is the world. And if folks aren't already here, the rest of that audience is gravitating here and sky's the limit, man. It's just, it just so happens we're in the college football lane, but it's awesome. It's uh, it's weird to think. I think if we went back over uh, bark after dark and talked about all the journalists and people that we've had on <clears throat> faces of college media, uh, how few journalism <laughs> degrees I think we'd actually run into in terms yeah. of our guests that, um, and like you said, man, it really has. It's opened it up and it's been a game changer in that way. Um, Josh, I'm just curious, man. Uh, can you take us back a little bit? Um, where does the Josh Pate story begin? Um, because like you said, rural Georgia, uh, this wasn't always what you were doing. So I'm curious, how does everything lead to this moment? Oh, boy. Uh, well, Dan and Trish Pate, they uh they went on a date back in, I think, I think to a bowling alley back in the minute. So I'm going to skip through all that, skip through all that, and I'll get out of high school. Uh, I think I, so I, the reason I tell my story a lot is I think I'm like a bunch of kids that, that come from where I came from. And you, you didn't grow up dirt poor. You certainly didn't grow up rich. And you're kind of a tweener socioeconomically. You're out in the middle of nowhere. So you're not necessarily close to major industry, unless it's ag. You're close to agriculture industry. But if you want to do something along the lines of what I do, you're not close to any of that. So it's like another world. I mean, watching ESPN, that might as well have been broadcast from Pluto from where I sat in Harris County, Georgia. So for a long time, that was like where my passion was. But I had no clue how to make that happen. And so I didn't take academics all that seriously. I mean, I was good enough in high school to get Hope Scholarship if that's still a thing in Georgia. So I got my school paid for, but I pissed that away as soon as I got into college because I had no clue what I wanted to do. So I was wasting time in college. So after a couple of, uh, about a year and a half, I just put college on hold. I didn't view it as dropping out. I always intended to go back, but I put it on hold and I went and uh, worked construction. I worked HVAC for a little while. I worked um, 
drywall for a little while. I ended up in a fabric warehouse for uh, several years. And it was during those days where you're sitting at a desk instead of out on a work site where I just do nothing but listen to ESPN radio all day. This would be back when like the Mike and Mike to Colin Cowherd to Ryan Rosillo early afternoon rotation was playing. So they had bangers like wall to wall all day. And um, I would listen to it. And then there was this four o'clock afternoon drive time show that popped up in Columbus. And I would listen to that. It was the first local show that I had remembered listening to in afternoon drive. So I would listen to it and I would just badger the program director through email. Can I come watch your show? I'd never been in a working studio before. Um, I mean, I was serious now. Uh, most people, when they hit you up like that, what they're really saying is, give me a shot to be on air because we get that all the time. I was not asking that. I had no illusion of being put on air. So finally, he says yes. And I started coming in. I came in for about two months and just watching live broadcast and pre-production and post-prod and what that consists of. So about two months into that one day, his co-host calls in sick, like five minutes before airtime. He has no time to, to pivot. And he just says, you want to be on air today? And so I hopped on air. Well, unbeknownst to him, for about the two years prior, I had taken the time that I was driving around in my little gray Toyota Tundra down there in Columbus, and I would just simulate sports talk radio in my truck. I would talk to the steering wheel. That was my practice. Those were the reps everyone told me I needed to get. So when they put me on air that day, I halfway sounded like I had done it before to the point where he asked after the show, that was not bad. Like, where have you worked? Where'd you tell me you've worked before? And I said, well, I hadn't worked anywhere before. And he thought I was lying. He said, well, you're good enough to be on air. So he never took me off air. And so for about two years after that, I'm on air locally in Columbus. And then a TV general manager from WLTZ NBC 38 in Columbus, Georgia calls me, let, leaves a voicemail. I let it go to voicemail. I didn't recognize the number. And he said, I listen to you every day. You've never met me. Don't worry about that. But me and my sales GM, we want to put a local weeknight college football show on our CW, our, our D2 affiliate here. And we think that you could be the guy. Are you interested? So I said, I've never done TV before. Is that a problem? He said, of course not. TV is easy. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> like he just brushes it off. And so um, I went over there and did that. <clears throat> and last minute, that, that ends up being packaged with being their sports anchor. I'm wholly unqualified to do this, by the way. I'm their sports anchor. So I start doing that. I know nothing about nothing, but start learning the ins and outs of TV. End up elevating to news anchor a couple of years in. But I'm doing this local show. Jake Rowe was on that show a few yeah. times. Um, we, we, we used, there he is. Oh, oh <laughs> gosh. So many things I wish I could tell you, buddy. But you know that little room there that that picture's in is pretty ironic. Because a few years in, I realized that was about the mid 20 teens. That was when I was talking about what I said a little while ago, when Facebook started letting you go live and YouTube shortly thereafter started letting you go live. And I, I realized, man, I'm doing a show here in Columbus, but it was an Auburn, Bama, Georgia centric show. And I wanted to do a national feeling show. So I'd go in that room right there after our newscast and I would take my phone and I bought one of those little tripods that holds your phone. And I started doing these Facebook live things where I just did what I would do if I was on a national show. And a couple of weeks later, they shut it down. They said, hey, I mean, all due respect now, we're not paying you to do your own stuff on our time, on our dime, in our building. So I said, all right, that's the way it's got to be. OK. And that was the first harsh lesson I learned. And so I had another year on my contract. I let that year expire and I have them come to me on the last day of my contract. And they said, 
what are you going to do? We've been calling your bluff. We thought you would just re-sign with us. Are you going to another station? What are you going to do? And I said, nope, I'm going to start a YouTube channel, which at the time was met with this response. You can't make money on YouTube. You can't monetize YouTube. What are you talking about? Which, <laughs> which was kind of true at the time. It just hadn't been done yet. So they, um, they, they said, what do we got to do? Like, we don't want to lose our morning news anchor. What are we going to do? So I said, well, if I can't do what I want to do as an employee of yours, can I work 1099? Can I independently contract? And in return of making pennies on the dollar of what you did pay me in salary, I'll stay on as your news anchor. But since I'm not employed anymore, I want to be able to have a studio three nights a week to produce what I want to produce. And they thought that was the biggest deal in the world. They said, absolutely. I almost laughed at it. They said, who cares? Go do your little YouTube thing. Like, we're getting a news anchor and we don't have to, you know, pay benefits. We don't have to have you on our books. So did that. We started late kick, still called the same thing. Now it was called then and <clears throat> took about a year. And a guy by the name of Shannon Terry calls me. I think both of you have heard of him. And also, familiar. I heard yeah, the, I've heard the name. Also sent him to voicemail because I didn't recognize his number. And so it's, it's Shannon Terry calling back up and he says, Hey, what you're doing is something we're not doing up here. Will you just move here into Nashville and, and do that for 24 seven CBS? And so moved up there in 2020, took, took the show with me, started doing it there. We were in Brentwood at the time. And now the, the studios in downtown Nashville, but right after that COVID hit, which was a game changer for like everyone for many different reasons. But in our world, as you guys probably remember all too well, and anyone listening or watching remembers, there were, there were these deviating paths in the sports media world during COVID. So some people like me said, I don't want to talk about any of this stuff on air. If I got a college football show, I think people are coming to me to get away from all this other stuff. And, and then other people did not do it that way. They started bringing things they knew very little about into their content. And it turned a lot of viewers and listeners off, which was their prerogative. But what I saw is during a time with no sports and we had uncertainty as to whether we were going to have them, our numbers all of a sudden just started to skyrocket because what we were finding in the research was all we had to do was stick to college football and people were flocking to us in droves because they were being turned off by other places that they and I had gone our entire lives to get our content. And then when we came out of COVID, show was just a rocket ship. And 2021, 2022 uh, probably was our biggest blow up year. Uh, but I mean, now... It's the most consumed college football show in digital media. And we now don't struggle to get yeses to anything. Company makes a ton of money off the product. Uh, we benefit greatly from the resources they give us. The access we get from all the universities is great. But I think to a lot of folks, maybe it looks like it just happened overnight. And it didn't happen overnight. There's tip of the iceberg. But there's also a very big chunk of ice of making $24,000 a year under the surface that sucks, but it was necessary to go through. Well, it's funny to have one of, you know, Shannon Terry's greatest success stories. And obviously it's your success story, but on his show with two of his biggest mistakes, <laughs> two of his, the largest mistakes he's ever made. Um, just letting us have any sort of carte blanche over five minutes of anything um, was probably the dumbest thing he's ever done, but you know, he's continues to live with it. I want to know um, it just, with the theme of this show, what was harder, building late kick into what it was or those biceps? Oh, the biceps are total popcorn. Yeah, don't okay. be fooled by that at all. That's That stuff's easy. If you have enough time to work out during the day and you're willing to eat right, 
I'm not going to say anyone, but I mean, if you don't have, if you don't have a physical limitation, you can get in the gym and you can take care of yourself. The biggest, and Jake Rowe, you know this all too well, being the fitness expert you are, but the biggest misnomer <laughs> is like the, <laughs> he covers it up because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to scare people away. Um, <laughs> the big, I was waiting for you to fill there, but since you don't want to say anything, I'll <laughs> the biggest misnomer here is you have to work out arms to have aesthetically pleasing arms like you may want. If yeah. you do back the right way, you're working arms. Like the, I, I go in there and I see these beach muscle workouts in Nashville, no less, of people just doing calf, chest, arm, back to calf, chest, arm. Do your shoulders, man. Back, shoulder, leg, chest, arm is my five-day split, six-day split, whatever that is. Um, no rest days. I think rest is a total myth. It's not needed at all. It's just a lie that people tell you so that, society can remain in civil order um late kick was way harder way way harder well I, I just see kirby looking at you in that photo we've got up there and i'm thinking he's thinking i wonder if this guy can cover a kick you know <laughs> like he's yeah he's, he, can. he wants he want, wants to know a if you got eligibility and b is there is there a special teamer in here somewhere you know there are two torn menisci which is the <laughs> yeah. plural of meniscus that's what's in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, I've I've got one of those myself. I've, you know, I've had surgery on both knees, both shoulders, and um, I'm just a sorry. I'm just sorry. I just, you know, I'm just I, I just tell myself every day I'm too tired to do stuff. So um, I do walk a little bit though. So that's good. Do you go to the Do you go to the mall with the other old folks in the morning before they open I put up? On my, I put on my uh, my New Balance uh, seven nine eighties or whatever they're called, and yeah, buddy, you put on my Air uh, Nike Air Monarchs, and uh, we go we go get after it. Do you think that most of the public knows that world exists? When I was when I was young, I, <laughs> I don't think they do. Yeah. So when I was young, I think a lot of kids may have had this dynamic. If your parents work, you either stay at daycare or you stay with like grandma or Mima. Yeah. In my case. So I stayed with Mima over the summers when I was growing up. And um, Mima went and walked to Peachtree Mall in Columbus back when it was safe to go to Peachtree Mall. She would walk there every morning. So as a kid, I was exposed to like the the pre-dawn mall culture, which was way different than than during hours mall culture that I had watched in all the 80s movies. The get and, your steps mall culture. Yeah, like I don't know that most of society knows that exists. They may have heard of it. It's, it's like a New York subway. People where we grew up, they have heard of the subway. They've never been on the subway. I don't think most people have been in malls before it opens. It's wild. Nothing's moving fast. So you can end up talking to everyone and you can learn a lot at malls before they open up. You know, I bet there's some dudes just picking up grandmas left and right. And not only that, too. not only that, but you find out they don't clean the money out of those fountains. So you can make <laughs> a lot of money also going to the mall in the morning. Yeah. Little JP found that out earlier. <laughs> you get there, guys, you're building makeshift devices to snatch up a snatch up a few coins on your yeah, way it back. It looks like you have a like a full bass in your pocket because it's huge and it's just dripping wet. And what it is, is much that's all it is. <laughs> oh my god that's great now josh i'm curious man um you know yeah you've built this thing up for you though what's you know what's your favorite part of this man is it connecting with the people is it the interviews you get to do is it just being able to you know be on camera kind of live the dream i mean how, wh where do you kind of land on all that man how do you um where do you get your jollies from i guess i feel like i know the answer to this question but i want to hear him say it because well, i, I do know. feel like there's I want to know what you think the answer is going to be being getting to every single possible venue for every single possible game you can be at. 
Yeah, so there's a dual answer here. For this me, man so, lives for that. Now, I've always yeah. appreciated that about him. Yeah, like for me selfishly, um, I mean, here's here's my week. My week is Monday or really Sunday when the dust has settled from the previous day. You look at the next week's games and you decide, like, which sideline do I want to be on for which game this next week? And you tell CBS and the rest is taken care of. That's a dream world. All right. Obviously, like none of us, myself included, would ever have thought that's possible. No one else in the national space gets to do that. Like even, even the big boys at the big networks, contractually, there's there's a certain league they're going to have to cover. And I have none of those um, restraints on me. So, yeah, that by 10 miles is awesome. But I'll tell you what else is awesome. And one of my goals from the outset of doing this is you get to change other people's lives financially. You get to take people who are associated with your product and you get to to scale their way of life because they they've been on board with you in the foxhole when it wasn't making a lot of money and now it is and so you get to you get to redistribute the income and and the financial success of the show down to the people who made it possible that's not always the way it works in the corporate structure which i can't control but i can control my people and also what what i know and I knew even in the in the mid 20 teens is we were at the forefront, like the show I was doing was one of the first of its kind on these types of platforms. And when Shannon Terry called me, I knew for better or for worse, we're about to get an opportunity with a major company to do something for the first time. Whether we sink or swim will dictate opportunities that dozens of other people will or won't get down the road because this will be a test pilot and companies will look at it and either say, that worked. We need to do our version of that. Or they'll look and say, see, we can't go that route. Let's just stick with traditional. And I take immense pride in knowing that other people have gotten opportunities because we didn't fumble the bag. Like we made it work. We made it happen. And not only have we made it happen now, you've also proven in the interim, this is actually capable of being the primary source of where people go to get their information and their college football content. And it, it's not just college football. That happens to be what we do. So the access is awesome, uh, but the ability to sort of be part of a paradigm shift is awesome too. Yeah, you're muted, Jake, so you don't know. Uh, that the, computer the, listen, we again. got people on our message board that want to reserve the name. Hey, Jake, you're muted. Papaw's, uh, just, uh, Papaw's back on the stream yard. He so. is, buddy. Papaw's <laughs> – I still got my Air Monarchs on. I'm ready to roll. Uh, so – I've, I want to ask you the, the biggest, you know, I remember those days of you and I texting back and forth during the pandemic about, can you believe so-and-so is saying this, or can, can you believe they've taken it this far? You know, like, you know, this is, you know, this is kind of not what we're, you know, you and I were basically telling each other how ignorant we were about this whole thing and that we didn't want to get into it. Um, but, you know, as time has gone on and you did take off then, obviously a bigger, bigger group. We sit on message boards all the time. You, you bring in more people, you end up with twice as many people that want to get after you when things aren't going well, or want to, you know, say, take this take and blow it out of proportion. You're not the kind of guy that has ever struck me as like, bring on all haters. I don't care if you all hate me. I think, I mean, you're a genuinely nice guy who likes to be liked and likes to like other people. How has that part been for you growing to the point where, certain fan bases at certain times of year are going to get pissed off at you and, and come at you at your mentions on Twitter. I was looking at a tweet the other day and you were kind of like, you know, getting in the mix. Uh, how does that work for you? How do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, 
I thought it would bother me, honestly, back back in the day when I had no audience. I thought if we ever blow the show up, that's going to be a natural byproduct. I'm going to hate that. I actually don't hate it all that much. Now, what I won't do is I don't waste time on people who hide behind anonymity. Like if you don't want to put your face to something you say, I mean, if you want to be Bulldog Boy 3817 and want to talk trash from behind a digital curtain, I can't really help you. I'm not going to traffic in that. But if if Jake Rowe legit just hates something I said and goes to his local message board and wants to call me out, number one, tag me so I see it, I will be happy to come over there. I'm not going to speak to a mob. Like, I'm not going to yell back and forth with a mob. What I will do is one by one, I'll ask someone the same way I would if we were at lunch. I'll say, what's your problem specifically with what I said? Uh, if they point it out, I'll say, all right, well, here's what I meant by that. If I think they misunderstood it. Or if they properly understood it, I'll say, here's why I think that. Why do you think the opposite? Sometimes you may change my mind on it. But at the very least, at the end of it, all right, well, reasonable minds can agree to disagree. We're not we're not curing cancer here. It's college football we're probably talking about. Like whether Georgia hired the right defensive line coach is up to interpretation. We're probably not going to know the right answer for two or three years anyway. I don't have a problem with that. Um, right now, over on the 24-7 USC board, they're really up in arms with me because I said, I think USC is going to enter the Big Ten as a tier three Big Ten program. Now, that sounds terrible because USC is what it's always been. And so on the show, I explained what I mean. I said, man, those first two tiers aren't very deep. You got Oregon, Ohio State in one. You got Penn State, Michigan in another. And even if you disagree with that, it's clear those are, to me, the top four programs, which I take into account a rolling three-year snapshot, not just what you are in the moment. And uh, USC folks, a lot of them didn't hear that last part. They just think, oh, that means we're no better than Northwestern. And so they went at me. So I on the show last night, I went back with them. I said, no, here's what I meant. Uh, here's a majority of what conveniently was left out in that message board post. Well, anyway, come to find out, a lot of them agree with what you said when they get the full context. And you you kind of explain your reasoning out. And the ones who don't, that's okay. Most of them are just shouting in the abstract and they're, they're throwing personal insults. And, and you... You carve all of it out, and there's like 15% of them that truly disagree and have logic-based reasoning. And if that's the case, that's fine. But I don't think that most folks take the time to do that. I think most folks just kind of start into a shouting match, which even in real life doesn't solve anything. Compound that times 10 on Twitter or on Instagram or on a message board, and it solves nothing. But you're right. What I don't do, um, and I don't believe in it personally or as a business model, is try to do the hot take thing for the sake of hot takes, uh, engagement farming, the, the clickbaiting kind of culture, which is it's it's long since been bypassed in the form of being profitable, by the way, for those who don't understand what clickbait means. That is not the way the industry works anymore. But even if it did, I don't have it in me to do that. Like there are shows on, you know, we're recording a little bit earlier in the day right now. There are shows on as we speak that are on because of that format, but they're grandfathered in. You don't see any new names rising to prominence on that wave because I don't think it works anymore because I think the public got wise to it. And I, even if they weren't, I don't feel like doing it. That's exhausting to constantly say things you don't believe for the sake of temporary engagement is insane to me. And also you get outed in like three weeks because inevitably you will contradict yourself because you forget what you've said. It's like telling a lie. You got to remember all the details of the lie. So what I do is pretty simple. I say what I think. I try to give logic based reasoning for it. And if people disagree, that's OK.
Hey man, genuineness is the net and, uh, and, uh, clickbait is the hook. And that's just the kind of way we look at it. I mean, it's, they don't, folks, folks don't understand. Like when you try to farm that, when you try to, when you try to manufacture that, it's just, a, it's such a short-term game Yes, and it's such a short-term game. And like, we, we say it all the time and folks get mad at us. And, and honestly, I, I, it's partially our fault because I do take such offense to that. I do take to, such offense to, to that, um, that critique that that you're just trying to get clicks well no i mean the way you survive in this business long term is you try you you work as hard as you can to be right every retention second. yeah retention every is the most time. important word and by the way think about my world okay so my world is the more video-based world where once upon a time clickbaiting worked okay because the industry and then therefore ad sales operated based on a one metric and it was total clicks total views so uh, charlatans out there rightly figured out, well, if I can just get someone to click, it doesn't matter if I actually deliver any substance. I got their click. Well, here's what happened. If I put, you know, 15 elephants kill tiger in the thumbnail, but I don't actually deliver it, people click out really, really fast and they don't watch any length of the video. And so companies and ad sales, third parties got very smart to that and realized maybe we don't need to be rewarding clicks as much as we need to be rewarding retention. This guy over here gets a ton of clicks. How many people are watching an average of 35 plus seconds of his video? Not much. That means he's a clickbaiter. So let's divert funding away from him and let's send it over towards this channel that gets half as many clicks, but people are averaging three minutes per video. And so nowadays, and this has been the case for a while, clickbaiting is such a dinosaur of a strategy. It's about retention and there is no shortcut to retention. To get people to stay tuned in for an extended period of time, you got to be the real deal. You cannot clickbait your way to that. And companies know that. The big techs have been knowing that. But also individual third-party advertisement companies know that. And therefore, they've redirected revenue towards the folks who retain audience. So even if you see someone clickbaiting, they're idiots. It's not going to work anymore. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Josh, I'm curious, man, because uh, we'll get accused of never talking Georgia on the show if I don't ask you. But you get the national perspective on all of this stuff, man. You talk to all these people. You go to all these places. You hear it all firsthand. And, of course, you know, we're a little bit biased in how we view things because of where we are and what we cover and what we're doing 24 hours a day in terms of coverage of this team. From the national perspective, though, your view of Georgia, um, what is what is the national perspective? What is your perspective? And how do you think they fit into what is a pretty rapidly changing landscape in the college football world? Yeah. Uh, so let me lead with the positives. I think it's the number one program in America right now. Um, I think Kirby Smart could rightly be considered the number one head coach in America right now. You cannot get better than that. Like you cannot get better than number one. Having said that, this is where the follow-up comes in. I grew up in Georgia, so a vast majority of my social circle are Georgia fans. So my, my phone is just inundated all day with that sort of thing. And the thought was when Nick Saban hung it up, 
all I heard the next week was what's standing in Georgia's way now? Like what stops Georgia from going on an unprecedented run of their own? And my answer really is Georgia and college football. I didn't mention any other specific team for a reason because that's not the way it works out. But, you know, I don't I, I think the gaps people use the word gap all the time in this sport and it's totally misunderstood. You watch Georgia sign the number one class. Then let's say they sign the number one class again the following year and the number two class the year after that. You're looking at a roster made up of, on average, like the number one or number two class in the country. So you've got that. Then you look at the recruiting budget, how it dwarfs everyone else. You look at the facility upgrades and how they're immaculate and palatial. And I've been in that weight room. Uh, they, they take a backseat to no one nationally. And so there's so many places Georgia leads the way. Well, what you convince yourself of is that means there are these giant gaps between Georgia and fill in the blank. And holistically, 50,000 feet, that's true. But then you get on the field with South Carolina and you trail 14 to three at the half. Because that's how real football works. Like the, the, the gaps exist holistically. Any given Saturday, stuff can still happen that doesn't make sense on paper. Now, some people understand that. Most people don't understand that. And so they look at it and God forbid you lose a game in the regular season. They look at that and they say, we're underachieving. I listened to him do it with Saban for a long time. Nick Saban's got half a dozen national titles to his name in Alabama, but he go lose to Auburn. And Auburn's got a fraction of the overall recruiting, a fraction of the overall this or that. And they'd say, we shouldn't be losing to Auburn. How does this happen? Well, it's a football game. That's how it happened. I Miss mean, four quarters. They get 11 on the field, too. They try really hard, too. The gaps are never that big. My point is, you're laying in all those number one classes. You're signing that army of analysts, not to mention maybe the best coaching staff in the country. You're doing all that just to gain inches here and to gain fractions over there to hopefully where it adds up to where you, you can win national championships. But Kirby says this stuff all the time. I hear him say it all the time. And a, a vast majority of the public thinks he's lying when he says it is the hardest thing in the world to do to win. And he's a lot of times talking about conference play. People just don't believe that. And he's not lying. Like he's telling the truth. He's not just trying to build a safety net for himself. And so I'm a big believer in something I call the consequences of success. And that is the kind of crap you have to deal with when you win that losers don't have to deal with. Uh, I can guarantee you when they were skating by Nickel State in year one versus today, there are things he deals with today that were not a problem in year one. And Saban's dealt with it. Urban Meyer's dealt with it before. Um, a, lot of, a lot of coaches who have won at the highest level, they've dealt with it. And no one feels sorry for you, and I'm not, not asking them to. But when you ask me, you know, what could get in the way, what could stop Georgia, all kinds of things outside your peripheral vision that you would never envision could stop Georgia. Uh, not to mention, it is extremely hard to build elite depth in this day and age. Georgia will do as good a job as any program, but no program, Georgia included, uh, will be able to maintain the level of depth that the Georgias or Alabamas or LSUs of a decade ago had. And so, so that means in an expanded playoff era as well, where you're going to play more games and in a tougher league where the conference schedule is not going to be what it once was, you're just more prone to things a little bit outside your control. So that that's how I see it. I see it as their number one, but I also don't see the road as being nearly as smooth to, you know, three titles in the next five years, like some of my buddies see it. All right, man, Lewis. And we ask everybody the same two questions when we close up every show. And mine is always the same thing. Um, you're in control of your own funeral. 
uh, you've, you know, they found you somewhere murdered or whatever, and you're just risen <laughs> above your body. Um, and you're getting to control the whole thing. Who's sending you out, eulogizing you, singing, dancing, uh, you know, uh, 20 minute comedy, whatever. Who's, who's sending Josh paid out? Well, there's a, there's a dude you and I know from Douglasville, Georgia, who would probably do a pretty good job, but, but no one on the show knows that name. So I guess <laughs> is Michael Buffer still in the game? Does Michael Buffer still do anything? I think you could probably get Michael Buffer. All right, yeah. he'd be he'd be a good one. Uh, once upon a time, I would have said Vince McMahon, but that's kind of scratched off. The yeah, list. I mean, you might want to. Yeah, I'm a little sad we didn't get in any wrestling on this <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah. You don't want to get canceled at your own funeral, man. That's yeah. a tough. That's a we should have got into some wrestling on this show. Uh, Doc, we totally forgot to get into that. You guys, uh, you guys have some guy, very obscure name, off the beaten path, hasn't really done a whole lot in the industry, so not many people should know his name. But there is a little-known dude named Tim Watts who works over at the Bama site. Oh, yeah. And, and I think he'd do a pretty good job because Watts fancies himself as someone who would shine in that kind of situation, and he would crumble. <laughs> and so if, if, I, if I'm in a position to where the last thing I get to see is someone who needs to be brought down to earth, a little bit brought back down to earth, height notwithstanding, by the way. He's already there in terms of height. But if I could see that. On my last day, that would be wonderful. I would love that. Little 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 cargo shorts and a sleeveless tuxedo sure. on top, you know. Yeah. And, and what I would love is every few lines, if he could do me a favor and take the index finger and push the glasses up, that would be the cherry <laughs> on top. I would love that even more. I would just I, listen. I, I need you to. I need us to get this in motion, and I need you to just bring him further in. That way, I can see him cry. You know, it'd be funny if I could just see a tear trickle down his face once or twice. Do you think um, that, um, I mean, aside from when a four-star from class of 2027 decommits, do you think Watts ever cries? <laughs> I don't. I don't. He's a, he's a man's man. He's a man's man. He does. He watches a lot of cinema, though. I, yeah, he does. I, so, for real, this morning. What if the Green about, Mile got him? I, uh, I think the Green Mile got him, I think that, that was, that's the one thing that I make it, make it probably snag him pretty good. I don't know if you ever had this happen. So, more often than not, I'll wake up in the morning and I've gotten just a stream of text consciousness from him at like 1.38. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. yeah, the sun sets in Alabaster at a different time than it does everywhere else. And a lot of times it's some movie he's watching, it's some show he's watching. And most of the time it's trash. But he did turn me on to a few good ones like Barry, that entire show was awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm always scared when he recommends a movie or a show because my instinct is don't waste your time. But I know he's delivered in the past. So I'm like, what do I do now? What do I do today now? Do I really invest in this? So I don't know. All right. So Josh, uh, like you said, humble beginnings, man, but you get to travel a lot. I'm curious, what is the worst hotel room that Josh Pate has ever stayed in? Oh, that's pretty easy. So that happened. Um, this is this is tough. This is a really tough thing to admit. In Columbus, Georgia, that's my hometown, mind you. I'm staying in a hotel in my hometown this past year. I believe it may have been even for the Georgia-Auburn game. So I'm staying there, and I am checking in with a lovely young lady. And we go in the room. Feels a little warm even a little damp, but that's okay. It's, it's late summer. It's in Georgia. That's humidity. We'll get that taken care of. Go to adjust it on the wall. Touch the wall piece of the thermometer. Entire thing comes off in the hand. Not even attached to the wall. So it comes off in the hand. And then you inspect the rest of the hotel room. And, and there are some, some other undesirable sites, shall I say, which makes it obvious that number one, room hadn't been cleaned, but number two, room was uninhabitable. 
you could store things in there, plant life, vegetation, but you could not put real humans in there because the humidity was Amazonian, like it was jungle-esque in terms of how thick the air was. And so that was a tough one. Um, I've normally been good because I've worked my way up the Marriott Bonvoy points system to where you get the automatic upgrade. And so normally hotel is the least of my concerns now. Now, what kind of hotel gym you can get access to? Like sometimes if you're staying in Corvallis, Oregon, that's a little up for debate and open to interpretation. <laughs> but by and large, we do okay in hotels. Yeah, I. Uh, that sounds like one you wouldn't want to break the blue light out and do the right. scan in the room yeah. in the human room. <laughs> Something's better left to the imagination. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, we appreciate you taking time uh, to come on with us. And um, you know, before you go, where can um, when's late kick? What time? If there's like three, four, five people out there that haven't seen it yet, um, you know, that's probably about the number. What? How do they see you? What times? Yeah, I well, first off, I appreciate you guys having me on because we we do this on cell phone all the time, so we might as well do it on air. Um, so anywhere you listen to or watch college football, you can get it. You can search Late Kick on YouTube, full channels there. We got the broadcast schedule in the header, so we do a bunch of live shows. Um, we do it in podcast form as well, so the entire show is put in podcast form. We do some additional stuff that's podcast only. Search Late Kick with Josh Pate. Um, basically, anywhere you get your stuff, it's going to be there in some form. Awesome, man. Appreciate you, dude. Thanks for coming. Appreciate Thank you, Josh. Awesome. Josh Pate delivered, and I'm, I'll, I'll always kick myself if we can't get him back on again. If, right. if, the, if the bosses put the kibosh to all of it, uh, I'll always be sad that we didn't do professional wrestling. I, um, uh, you know, I, I'm just excited for what his viewership numbers are going to do as a result of being on Bark After Dark. There's yeah. I mean, just a windfall coming the way of Josh Pate as a result of being on our show. We should have got him to sign a deal for the to, to give us a cut of what's coming his way. Oh, sure. No question. Yeah, we probably could have retired. <laughs> All right, man. So, man, this dog has been wreaking havoc around my feet the whole time, chewing on my shoelaces. Uh, Trying to chew my cord. Thank God its teeth are falling out already. Um, uh, they say they emulate the owner, and I think that that's a pretty fair uh, yeah. smash de jour. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty reckless myself. <laughs> Been really bad to my teeth, too. I just The other day, my wife was like, hey, I can't get this zip tie off. And I was like, just like snap, snapped it off. She's like, God, you're an animal. Um, and it wasn't in a good way either. So, sure. um, All right, well, let's get to the questions. Let's jake off a little bit. Yeah, man. One year anniversary. So I got one for you. I was thinking about this one most of the week. I was like, what am I going to ask Jake Rowe, the one year anniversary show of Bark After Dark? So I'm going to add, I think it should be an easy one. I, I And I may have asked you this. I hope I haven't um, before, but I'm curious, what is your favorite Jake Rue story? Okay. Jake Rue's story. <sighs> the time that car alarm wouldn't stop going off hits me all the time. <laughs> I was in Roos's house doing something. He had to go run an errand, and uh, and you know, all of a sudden you just hear from the panic buttons just going crazy in the in the parking lot, and it's just going and going and going. It goes for like ninety seconds, and I'm like, "What the heck's going on?" So I go and open the door, and as I go to open the door, Roos just blows in, and I was just like, "Who knows, man?" <laughs> um, just so frazzled. We've all been there. Um, you didn't have to get yelled at by Mark Rick to get there. Um. You know, the Barberitos downtown story, that one time's a good one. I'm not going to tell it on the air. No, that's um, fair. Uh, that's the problem with a lot of this stuff. And so I was curious as to what you could make uh, tenable for, for the uh, online audience. Well, I mean, I could leave out some details of it, but I've got to say it's probably the time that 
Um, me and intern Jake went to Charleston, South Carolina. We sat at the corner of, uh, of the bar at Hyman's, ate roughly $200 worth of seafood, um, copious amounts of oysters, Went to uh, went to the football game that night. Halftime show comes out, and the little ting to ting to ting, this little xylophone, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, and it was just we kind of looked at each other. And it was just one of the most weirdly horrifying things we'd ever seen. It was just so weird. Um, but the look on your face that night was was pretty priceless. Yeah. And then uh, speaking of hotel rooms that night, I remember we had to get one, and you price lined it or something, and got kind of a blind hotel room, and it ended up being that. Uh, it ended up being that Holiday Inn that is between the bridges coming oh, yeah. from like Mount Pleasant. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, right. I forgot about that place. Yeah, that yeah. Was, that was a pretty decent hotel room. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. It was just it was just like, hey, I got us a good hotel. I got us a hotel uh with uh with a good price. Um we just don't know what it is yet. I and used I to like, do that what? all the time. And I got burned yeah. on it once or twice, but for the most part that price line thing was all right. <laughs> i knew i figured hyman's was going to be the story though and, and i'm surprised you didn't include uh, the detail about the cocktail sauce oh yeah yeah the, the, oh well we've talked about it before this man put way too much horseradish in his cocktail sauce and then starts you know like strangling dying like turning red everything else and then i'm like dude you okay and he goes yeah man i love the heat <laughs> Just, I mean, yeah, listen. And then we did the, then we did the flashbang grenades when we got to, uh, Indianapolis the, with the, with the, uh, Elmo's cocktail sauce that nothing oh, can prepare you for nothing Absolutely. can prepare you for those. So in, in with our guest being who he was and, you know, Josh, you know, kind of making it from scratch and we, our stories, listen, we're nowhere near as big as Josh is. And, and I have no, trust me, I've got no jealousy as far as all that goes i don't i'm not made for what he does he's he's just built from different cloth like that but our stories aren't dissimilar we kind of right place right time figured it out when did you know that that you were gonna that you were gonna make it in this business and that it was gonna become a career instead of just kind of taking a shot at something um i would say probably when people started contacting me to do media for them um, and the one that really stands out to me, and I think I've told this story on here before, but I remember the first time I got asked to do Bulldog Roundtable with Chuck Dowdle. And I, when that opportunity came, I'm, a, I'm every, if you know, if you watch the show, if you listen to the show, I'm an unabashed Chuck Dowdle Stan. Uh, I love the guy. Uh, was a personal hero of mine growing up. Cause I thought being the sportscaster was just the coolest thing you could possibly have a job doing. And so they asked me to do the show and I remember um, finding it out and I got, you know, I like started hitting my mom up and I, I hit my grandparents up and I remember my grandmother, um, my granny uh, hit me back and, and called me and she was like, she was like, oh my God, you're, you're a movie star. Like you're going to be on with Chuck Dowdle. That's, inc-, you know, like no one could believe it. And I think too, at that point, one of the reasons that that really meant a lot to me was that that was kind of the first time that my family was sort of like, Oh, this is kind of a thing. Like he's, he's actually doing this. And, you know, I remember when I first took the job, like everybody was like, kind of like Josh was saying, how can you make money doing this? This doesn't, you know, nobody, if you don't know what the world of recruiting is, it's hard to fathom that it even exists. Sometimes Um, you have to explain it to people today, like people that just have no idea what it is. And you're like, so you work for Georgia, right? Yeah. 
or 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 to me it's kind of like so so what you a website and i'm like yeah i show it to you guys oh man that looks that looks kind of legit and i was like yeah this is a pretty legit industry uh i I mean you don't want to just sit there and you don't want to tell them like you know hey i'm you know kind of a big deal in georgia circles you know what i'm saying i mean you don't want to say stuff like that because i don't even believe it but it's like i don't know sometimes it's tough to you know pretty good job man and you know a select few people really know who i am and that's i don't know that's that's pretty cool um the whole idea that you know you run into people at the grocery store or whatever has never you know like hey you're you're jake Rowe, right or something like that like that's never been like that big of a deal to me it's happened a couple times with my kids and then they'll tell my wife and then they'll make a big deal about it it's been more like what you're talking about just a chance to kind of be and do things that um like for me my Chuck Dowdle thing is it wasn't all too. No, nope, no, nope, you've lost all audio. Now you're on mute. Yeah, boy, we're happening. the dog is wreaking havoc. It is absolutely. Wreaking. He just grabbed my laptop cord and almost pulled my laptop <laughs> off the counter. Um, he off my desk. Um, but yeah, when it comes to like uh, XM radio was mine. College college sports radio channel eighty four. Um, I got asked to be on that one day. I think it was, uh, I can't remember who was hosting the show, but I was like, oh, shoot, man, this is awesome. Took a picture of the thing up there on the, after the interview ran, because like a 30-second delay. But, yeah, it's it's hard to explain to some people sometimes, like, yeah, there's this is a pretty big industry, and uh, it's it's niche, but it's very, very, you know, well powerful and well-followed. Recruiting, recruiting is especially niche, right? Because I tell people all the time, like, you've got to be into sports first off, then you have to specifically be into college football. Then you kind of got to follow a team pretty religiously. And then you have to be so concerned about the team that you're deep into the future of the team. And so you're like many, many layers down the list in terms of niche stuff. And so uh, I can't tell you how many people in my life I have told, I've explained my job to what I do. And then the next time I see them and there was somebody they want to introduce me to, they're like, hey, this is Jake Roos. He's a scout for the University of Georgia. Yeah. And I'm like, not even close. Not like not, not even in the realm of or, or it's something super general. Like, hey, this is uh this is my um this is my uh nephew-in-law, Jake, and he does online posting. <laughs> right. You know, well, yeah, that opens you up for OnlyFans, man. I mean, that's what those people do, you know. <laughs> yeah, and Honestly, man, it's one of those things that's like if I go play golf and I get paired with somebody or I meet new people at a party or or something like that, like I'm just hoping nobody brings up what I do. I just say journalist at this point. I'll yeah. be honest with you. I'm just like, yeah, I'm a writer. Um, I, I try to say sports writer and see if you can leave it at that, but um, it never you know. does. Never does. And that's okay. I Look, I love talking about it. And like people sometimes will like come up to me and they'll ask like, they're like, oh, you know, I hate to bug you about this. And I'm like, dude, I think about this stuff all the time. It's my yeah, job. I'd much rather have that than have to explain myself because I, I don't care what anybody says. It, I have not figured out a way to explain it yet where it's not like I think they're walking away thinking like, oh, man, he's a dreamer and a loser. Um, <laughs> you know? Sure. <laughs> Uh, that's uh we, we need to we need to maybe retitle our group text message to dreamers and losers I yeah these guys are dreamers and losers <laughs> um yeah. but it's been yeah. a great year man uh hard to believe you know i mean you and i yeah, man. Uh, we talked about this on the first show 
this was something that you and I had talked about doing for years and years, if we ever found ourselves at the same place. And um, it's been just as much fun as I imagined it would be. Um, and, I, and I don't know if I've framed it this way, like it's supposed to be. I don't I, I don't. I know I didn't whenever he was on because I was kicking myself when he did it. But it was a conversation with Brandon Adams um, at the, the college football at the national championship game in Los Angeles. We'd spent so much time together while we were there. Um, and we, I just, we just sat down, we were having drinks one night. We just got to talking about it. And I was just kind of like, man, I want to do something that's not serious where we talk about the industry. We talk about kind of our insecurities and our frustrations. And we talk about kind of how we got into it and, and maybe ran into some luck. And, um, I want to talk to the other people on this beat. And, you know, a year later we've had BA, we've had Jeff, we've had Roddy, we've had Dean, we've had Seth, um, we still got more guys to go. Yeah, man. I mean, we get ready, folks. We're going to have Chip Towers at some point. Um, you know, get, you know, get, hey, he's a, he's my dude. I love him. Mark Weiser, want to get him on. Want to get try to get Antonio Dasher uh, on here one we day. Need get, um, we need to get Palmer on for a show, to be honest with you. I, I, Palmer needs to stay in the gray like he is right now. <laughs> like, stay exactly like that, like that right there. That's where he needs to stay, just like that. <laughs> But we love him a lot. Now, we'll have Palmer on. We'll have Palmer on talk about his rich history and all the things that he's been through to get into this business. Hey, rich um, history. That's the Palmer Tom story, buddy. Yeah. That's the, the Montgomery Bell Academy. No question. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but it's been a great year. We'll be back with you guys in March, hopefully with Chuck Dowdle at some point very early in March. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, too, bucket list guy for us at this point, now the recent events, is the great Claude father, Claude Felton. Um, you know, I heard he's going to be – um, you know, just, just basically if you cut him right now, he'd bleed my ties. So, um, you know, if, uh, if, if we can get him off the beach and, and dry it up, we'll get him on the show. I'd love to have it, man. Looking forward to that one and, uh, appreciate everybody who's tuned in, man. Um, appreciate the loyal people who listen to this uh, on a regular basis. Like I said, when we did the first show an exercise and self-indulgence. So we allow, I, we thank you for allowing us to indulge ourselves, have a little bit of fun, get out here and mix it up a little bit. Cause well, at the end of the day, everybody loves uh, college football. You know, it, it's 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 a deep it's a it's of all the things in the world, it's one of the less serious ones, I would say. So uh, we have a good time doing it. We appreciate everybody who tunes in. Keep barking. We'll talk to y'all later.